I want to encourage you to be back in the service tonight at 6 o'clock. Lord willing, tonight I'll be bringing the message, what to do when you don't know what to do. Psalm 61. If you want to go ahead and get started a little early, Psalm 61. We'll be preaching out of Psalm 61. What to do when you don't know what to do. And so anyway, turn in your Bibles, if you will, this morning to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, and if you've been watching Countdown to Courage, we've been in the book of Timothy, and specifically, for the last little bit, we've been in 1 Timothy chapter 2. We were talking about prayer for a little bit, then we began to talk about the influence of womanhood. Uh, but I want to I show you a little verse, not a little verse, it's a short verse, but it's a big verse, and it's got a mighty big word in it, and I want to show you that verse in 1 Timothy chapter 2. When you find your place... Let's all stand this morning out of respect for the reading of God's Word. Aren't you glad you have a copy of the Bible this morning? Wow, what a privilege. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1 says, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And then Paul is just full here in verse 7. He says, whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity, or faith and truth is what, the Paul, what Paul is talking about there. And by, by the way, verse 8, he says, I will therefore. I think that goes right along with that scripture. I will therefore. You see, therefore, you always go back and see what it's there for. And Paul talks about this mediator, and he talks about this ransom, and then he talks about, I get the privilege of being a preacher about these things. And then verse 8, he says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. I want to draw your attention to verse number 5. And the Bible says, for there is one God. <laughs> we could stop right there and preach for a while, couldn't we? For there is one God. And by the way, Paul tells us here who that God is. And one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. So for all those religions who say that Jesus is not God, sorry, we got Bible to prove what we believe, Amen. And I want to talk to you a few minutes about this subject, the masterful mediator. Whew. The Lord is here today. I believe the, light, the Lord likes it when we worship Him. We're going to preach for a little bit, Lord willing, but we're going to continue to worship Him. We're going to worship Him in truth now. And so you may be seated this morning. Let's pray. And as I pray, I'm going to ask you to pray. And we're going to ask the Lord to really give us a truth this morning. 
So let's go to the Lord right now. Father, we come before you unworthy. We're not worthy of your blessing. We're not worthy of your spirit meeting with us like you do so faithfully and so regularly. Oh, what a God. What a God. And what a church, what an institution, the local church that you have set up. It's not like any other. And God, we thank you for manifesting your spirit here today. Father, please don't let anything, don't, don't allow anything to distract or to detract away from the service this morning. Lord, you know the truth that I'm going to give your people, but the powers of darkness also know. And so, Lord, they, of course, they don't, they don't want this message to get out. And so I pray that just for a few moments that you'll knit our hearts together and I pray that we'll learn what I consider to be probably one of the greatest truths that we'll ever learn is the one we're about to embark on right now. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and your power. Save that soul that's nearest hell. Encourage that child of God that's a little discouraged. And I pray that you'll meet with us in a great way. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And for his sake and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I'm pretty convinced that the reason that we are not thankful for what Jesus has done for us is because often we fail to understand the magnitude of all that Jesus has done for us. I don't mean that negatively. I'm not, trying, I'm not picking on anybody in a church like ours, in, in, in the right kind of church, you're going to have every level of spiritual growth. You're going to have those that have been saved for 50 years, 60 years. And then you're going to have those that have been saved for six months, some six weeks, maybe even six days. And so we, we definitely don't expect those that have been saved for just a short period of time to be at that, at that point where those that have been saved for 60 years. Of course, that's not, that's not going to happen. And so there's, there's every level of growth. But let me help us this morning. I believe this. I believe that we sort of know, I'm, I'm talking about even those that have been in the church for a long, long time. We sort of know our little, you know, ABC, one, two, three. You know, we sort of know, we know the parameters. We know the, you know, just that little part that we know. And we're sort of satisfied with knowing that little bit of truth that we know and we feel like that that's going to get us through uh, and, and thank God for every bit of truth that God gives us. But again, I want to go back to my opening point is a lot of times I think that we're not thankful because we really don't understand all that Jesus Christ has done for you and done for me. And so I want us to understand what it means when the Bible says that Jesus is our mediator, our mediator. Hey, David, can I use you just a minute? Stacy, can I use you just for a minute? Y'all come on up on the platform with me if you could. I want to try to preach a little bit, illustrate. Stacy, if you'll come over on this side. And David, I want you to get over there about as far as you can get right there in front of the piano. And the same thing with you, Stacy, right there in front of the keyboard. And I want us to try to understand what a mediator is. The word mediator in 1 Timothy chapter 2 basically means go-between, inter-annunciator. I looked up that word. We use the word enunciate, but not that word inter-annunciator. 
interannunciator. The word enunciate means to announce. And, and so when the Bible says that Christ is our mediator, it means that he is our go-between. He is our announcer as our mediator. And basically what that means is this. We'll let David pretend like he's God today. <laughs> Let's see. Can I get? No. And we'll let David. David's going to be God today. And boy, we picked a humdinger for this one. Amen. And Stacy is going to be, he's going to be the Christian. He's going to be the sinner, the Christian. And so, and I'll explain. You say, preacher, why are these two not together? And we'll explain that in just a little while. And by the way, when you were lost and undone without Christ, this is a picture of you. When you didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ, when you never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, this was God and this was you and this was me. We were about as far from God as could be. And by the way, it was destined to stay that way. But God loved you. And God sent his only son. And Jesus came as our mediator. He came as our inter-annunciator, our announcer. And that means this, that that mediator goes to God and he announces things to God that come from this sinner right here, this Christian right here. But also the Bible teaches that Jesus goes to the Christian or the sinner and he gets from the sinner and he goes back over here to God and he announces things to God. And the Lord Jesus Christ serves as that go-between, that inter-annunciator, but it also means this, it means to reconcile. To reconcile. And so basically what Jesus Christ did, Jesus came, and we're going to tell you how you've done it here in just a moment, but Jesus Christ came, and as your intra-annunciator, he took the sinner. Oh, yes, good neighbor. And he took God, and he brought the two together together once and for all that's now that I want you to understand that's what a mediator does please understand something that never would have happened without Jesus Christ it wouldn't have happened because of your good works it wouldn't happen because you're a Baptist it wouldn't happen because your name is on a church roll this right here only happens when you allow Jesus Christ to come into your life and by faith, you accept him as your Savior. And when that happens, Jesus becomes your inter-annunciator. He begins to talk to God. He begins to talk to the sinner. He begins to bring the two together. And the Bible, and the, the Bible term means to reconcile. Thank you, fellas. I might use you again just a little bit. Thank you all. Thank you for your help. Mediator. Now, I want to give you this morning, if I could, real quickly. I want to give you, first of all, Our purpose. Our purpose. To understand the, the, the idea of a mediator, you need to understand our purpose. My purpose and your purpose was this. Number one, to bring glory to our almighty God. 
That's our purpose, is to bring glory to God. The Bible says in Isaiah 43 and verse number seven, even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. And so God made you, God created you, by the way, however you are, whether you have brown hair or black hair or red hair or no hair, whatever you have today, uh, your ears are close to your head or your ears stick out a little further than others or your nose is real short and pudgy or your nose is extra long. Uh, you know what? However God made you, God made you that way. And can I just remind you that God doesn't make any junk. And God created you and God created you for the purpose of bringing glory to him. And so whatever, however you look, whatever the color of your skin uh, whatever you, whatever your personality is, which by the way are all different, make sure that you use yourself to bring honor and glory to the Lord. But there's another purpose. Not only did God create us for his glory, but God created us for the purpose of fellowship. Or I could say it like this, for the purpose of friendship. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 9 says it like this. God is faithful by whom you were called under the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And by the way, Calvary, can I just insert this real quickly? That's exactly why God gives us individual soul liberty. God never pre-wired you to be a Christian robot who just... Who just uh, uh, does not voluntarily do so. You're just pre-wired to worship God. I worship thee, I worship thee. You are God, you are God alone. That's not what God wanted. God did not want a bunch of robots, a bunch of mindless robots that are worshiping him. God made you a free moral agent. He made you, he gave you individual soul liberty to choose his son or to reject his son. And when you uh, choose his son, God wants you to worship him. But God wants you to choose to worship him. And so understand, God wants, he created you for the purpose of, of uh, glory, glorifying him, and he, he created you for the purpose of fellowship. God desires, and I don't know that I can explain all this, but God desires to spend time with, for, with his creation and has desired that from the beginning of time. In fact, in Genesis chapter three, we find that the Lord came at a pleasant part of the day. And evidently, he fellowshiped with the first man and woman every single day. The Bible says he came to the garden in the cool of the day. And he would fellowship with Adam and he would fellowship with Eve. And they enjoyed that fellowship and he enjoyed that fellowship. And that's what's so terrible about this thing of sin. And so understand that our purpose is to glorify him. And our purpose is to have fellowship with him. But there's not only a purpose. But number two, we have a problem. Here's the problem. When man chose to sin and disobey God, it caused a separation. It broke the fellowship. It hindered and separated the friendship. According to the word of God, because of our sin, peace was no longer present. In fact, Paul said in the, book, in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, that when man sinned, it caused a wall of separation to be built between you and to be built between your God. So really, in one way, this was a good type. In another way, it was not a good type. 
Because God and man were not only separated, but according to Ephesians chapter 2, there was a wall of separation that was built up in between the two. And man couldn't even see God. Ephesians 2.14, for he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. The reason for this separation, the reason for this wall of partition is because God is holy. And a holy God cannot fellowship with anything or anyone who is sinful. There's a, listen, there's a, uh, uh, I don't know, a campaign, I guess you'd call it. There's a campaign going on right now. Propaganda is what I would call it. False propaganda, deceit. That's trying to make it out that, that God is a sinner, that Jesus is a sinner, that he had the same lust that you have and the same wicked thoughts that you have and the same desires that you have and that Jesus Christ was nothing more than a sinner just like you and me. And I want to tell you, my dear friend, that's straight out of the pit of hell. That is not true. That is not accurate. That is not according to the word of God. That sin, when we sinned, that sin caused a separation. Isaiah 59 1 says it like this, behold the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Romans chapter three, verse 23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so please understand something that our case was hopeless. We were hopeless. You say, preacher, not me. Yes, you were. You were hopeless. We were not only separated from him, but there was a wall of partition that was built up. And there was no way that we could get across that wall, but I've got some great news. Then Jesus came. My go-between. My, yes, good neighbor, hold on tight. Amen, we're in for a ride today. Hey, my, 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 when, when all hope was gone, when I was destined and on my way to hell, thank God the entering nutshader stepped out from nowhere and stepped onto something. And Jesus Christ, the precious, darling, sinless son of God came and he bled and suffered and died for me. And hallelujah, he has reconciled me back to my heavenly father again. Now, let me, let me give you some thoughts this morning, quickly, if I could. Number one is this. As the mediator, first of all, as the mediator, you need to understand that Jesus was sinless. He was sinless. And it was necessary that the mediator be sinless. Our Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And so the Lord Jesus Christ knows your temptation, but he never catered to that sin. He never gave in to that sin like you and I do. First Peter chapter 2, verse 21. For even here and two were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that he should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. 
First John chapter three, verse number five. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins and in him is no sin. Now I'm not gonna stay here very long, but I, I believe it's worthy of us hitting this point because some of our kids are college age and they're going to colleges now and some are going to secular colleges and they've got, uh, they've got liberal professors that are standing in front of those classes and saying that Jesus was just a man and Jesus was just a sinner. Uh, Jesus was just as wicked as you are. He may have been a good teacher. He may have been a good physician. He may have been a miracle worker, but he was just like you and he was just like me. And I want to say this morning, you better hope not. Because if Mr. Liberal is telling you the truth, we are lost. And we're on our way to a devil's hell. You see, had the mediator been sinful, the mediator would have needed a mediator. But here's good news. Jesus had no sin debt to pay. Therefore, he could pay mine. So let's just say like this. We go to, my wife and I go to a restaurant and our bill, our bill is 50 bucks. And the uh, waiter brings out our check and, and he puts it on the table and it's 50 bucks. We run into Donnie and Tamara at the same restaurant and and Donnie comes by and, and Donnie says, Preacher, I'm going to pay your bill. I said, no, you're not. Yes, I am. I'm going to pay your bill. And I said, no. He said, Preacher, I'm going to pay your bill. Uh, their bill, by the way, is 50 bucks as well. Donnie looks in his wallet and all it has is 50 bucks. How many know something? We got a problem. Well, we've got a problem, Donnie. Amen. You better pay mine first. Amen. No. We got a problem. He said, preacher, I'm going to pay your bill, but his bill is 50. My bill is 50. All he has in his wallet is 50. He doesn't have a check card. He doesn't have any kind of credit. All he's got is $50. Now, here's, here's the truth of the matter is. Truth is, he can pay his bill because he's got enough to pay his bill, but he cannot pay my bill because he has a debt to pay. Oh, can I tell you that when the Lord Jesus Christ came and he lived for 33 and a half years, Jesus had no check to pay. He had no debt to pay. He had no penalty of sin. Uh, listen, he had not lied like me. He had not stolen like me. He had not cursed like me. He had not lusted like me. He had not thought in pure thoughts like me. Jesus Christ had no bill to pay. He was absolutely the sinless lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And because he had no debt, thank God, he could pay mine and so understand that as the mediator Jesus was sinless but hold on Calvary number two is this as the mediator Jesus switched records with the sinner now I want you to take your Bibles this morning if you want to turn to Romans chapter 4 now, again, I know we're, this is a, a little doctrinal this morning, but if you miss this, you're going to miss a blessing. Yeah. Romans chapter 4, we're going to read a little bit of Scripture, but I want you to really, really hang in there with me and, and stay focused. Romans chapter 4, and I want you to find your place in verse number 3. Romans 4 and verse number 3. The Bible says, For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace but of debt. 
But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man, unto whom God, notice this word, unto whom God imputeth. You see that word? If you'd like to mark your Bibles up, circle that word, underline that word. Unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not, there's that word again, the Lord will not impute sin. Now skip down to verse 22. Verse 22. The Bible says, And therefore it was, what's the word? Imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. But for, all, but, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed. If we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Look at verse, chapter 5, verse 1. We know those chapter headings are put in there by man. And so this chapter just goes right on. Uh, Revelation chapter 5, verse number 1. Therefore... So the Lord's talking about imputation, 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 imputation. And then in chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Let me teach you a truth that maybe you've never heard or something that's going to be a tremendous blessing to you. That word impute there, it means this. It means to pass one's account. To pass one's. Oh, yes, yes. If this ever hits you, some of you are going to take a run. I'm telling you what, it's that good. To pass one's account. When we placed our faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus took our sinful record and we were imputed with his sinless record and his sinless record was passed to us. Stacy, can I use you one more time? Stacy is the sinner. We we by the way, we were all there. Some of you came from rougher backgrounds. Some of you came from not as rough a background, truth of the matter is, you would have went to hell just like the other person would have. We're all sinners. There's no big sin, little sin in God's eyes. And, and we're all sinners. We're all vile, as vile as he. Whoa, I'm telling you, man, I'm about to have time this morning. And so here's the sinner. Let me, let me show you sort of what it was. The sinner had some trash in his life. Here you go, brother. Stand over here just a little bit more so everybody can see you. Some trash. You ever have any trash in your life? Before you got saved, did you ever, yes, did you ever have this sin and degradation that followed you around, stayed with you all the time, made you feel guilty? Made you feel like you had no peace, no joy. Truth is, that's not really a good picture, though, is it, of most of us. You know what? The, the sinner didn't just have a little sin. By the way, this is trash. I cleaned out all the trash cans this morning. You recognize that guy? 
That was me. That's me. And the devil came and the devil said, I got you. You're lost. <laughs> I'm going to take you to hell. You're a sinner. You've got a debt to pay. You can't pay it yourself. And I'm going to take you to hell. But wait a minute. That's really not a, still not a good representation. I got a real dirty one this morning. Amen. Here you go, brother. Recognize that guy? That was me. In the dregs of sin, lost as lost, yes, lost as lost could be. There was a wall of partition between me and Almighty God. I wanted to come into his presence, but I could not come into his presence because there's sin there. I want to go to heaven, but you're not going to God's heaven toting that kind of garbage around. And the truth of the matter is, all hope was gone. There was nothing that could be done. I was lost without hope on my way to hell. But the Bible says that God, in his love, <laughs> sent his only son, Jesus Christ, and Jesus came. I don't understand it. I can't explain it all. But the Lord Jesus Christ came, and I remember that day when he came to me, and he said, hey, boy, you want me to do something about that? I think I can help you with that. I said, Lord, yes, I do, I do. I was out mowing the yard on our, at our church, but I was lost without Jesus. And I knew I was lost. I'd been under conviction for weeks and weeks and weeks. And, and the devil said, don't you do it. Don't you do it. Don't you do it. Don't you do it. Your daddy's a deacon. Your mama's a Sunday school teacher. What are people going to think about you? And I mowed and I mowed and I mowed under conviction of the Holy Spirit. And finally, Jesus came and said, hey, son, if you want me to do something about that, I can do something about it. And I turned the lawnmower off. I wasn't done yet, but I turned the lawnmower off. And I ran into the church and I said, preacher, I got to get this thing settled. I got to know that I know that I know that I know that I'm saved. And my preacher took out his Rev Schofield Bible and led me down the Romans road. And that day I prayed and received Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I placed my faith in Jesus alone. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, something called imputation took place. And a nail-scarred Savior came over and said, I'll take that. I'll take that. And I'm going to give you my record. You say, Pastor, he's not holding anything. You guessed it. Jesus had no penalty. There was no trash. There was no refuse. He that was without sin, the Bible says, became sin that we might know the righteousness of God. And my Savior, I don't understand it. I can't explain it all. It's not because I was worthy, but he reached way down and he took my sin. And by the way, by the way, the Bible says he threw it in the deepest part of the ocean. And when he threw it into the deepest part of the ocean, 
After he threw it there, after he threw it there, he posted a sign and said, no fishing allowed. I want to tell you what, what a God, what a God, what a Savior we serve today. Imputation. So now this man is able to go be with God. By the way, not based on Stacy Jarvis's record. When God Almighty looks at him, Stacy, I love you. You're a great guy. I'm glad you're my friend. But truth of the matter is, when God looks at you, he doesn't see Stacy Jarvis. He sees Jesus Christ. He sees his only son. Jesus took my sin, your sin, your sin, and put those sins on himself so that we could have his sinless record. Thank you, Stacy. I appreciate that. Imputation. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for it made him to be sin for us who know no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. When, when we received Christ, our record changed all because of Jesus. Sometime back, my wife and I decided to sort of step out in faith and change our insurance plan. I'm not, by the way, I'm not encouraging you to do this. The church was graciously paying our insurance, my wife and I, and it was ridiculous. What the church was paying was absolutely ridiculous. I'd already told him saying, I said, and you don't have to ask permission. If, just, if you find something cheaper, change it. But the church was paying so much, and so we just decided that we were just going to step out, and we went with a, uh, we, we canceled our insurance, and we went with a group called Christian Healthcare Ministries. And so far, so great, so great. So weeks and weeks ago, my wife and I were at the hospital. I was in the hospital for six or seven days with COVID, $32,000, just my hospital bill, 32000 not including the doctor bills and all those things, $32,000. And so uh, Christian Healthcare wants you to, they want you to reach out, try to get a discount, try to see if there's any programs available. I did that. And so the other day, Tina called. And she said, Brother Pope, she said, uh, uh, we're trying to talk to your hospital. And she said, they won't talk to us. And she said, I need you to call over there and give, give them a verbal permission for us to talk with them. I said, no problem, Tina, I'll do that. I called our hospital and I said, we're with, we're with Christian Healthcare Ministries. And I said, I'm giving you permission uh, to talk to them about our situation and our bill and permission. She said, and so I called Tina back and I said, Tina, I've reached out to the hospital. We've given them permission. She said, great. She said, that's wonderful. She said, by the way, she said, have you tried to find any kind of relief? for your medical bills. And I said, yes, I did. I said, I called the hospital, talked to the hospital. Hospital said they didn't really have anything to offer. That they were sure there was probably something out there, but they offered no kind of help like that. I, she said, okay. She said, give me a little bit. Two or three hours passed. Tina called back. I said, hello. She said, Brother Pope, this is Tina from Christian Healthcare. I said, yeah, Tina. She said, I have good news for you. I said, you do? I love good news. She said, I have good news for you. I said, well, that's great. What is it? She said, your balance is zero. I said, do what? 
She said, your balance is zero. I said, Tina, how? How how can that be? She said, "I, I don't know. I guess they found some help. She said, your balance is zero. Now you say, preacher, why are you telling that story? Not just for testimony's sake, but I want to tell you what. I'm going to tell you what, my dear friend, I'm about, to, I'm about to blow a fuse this morning. I'm telling you, you better pray for your preacher this morning. Oh, I want to tell you what, in that little country church years and years ago, when I called out to Jesus Christ and I said, Jesus, I need you to save me. I want you to take me to heaven when I die. I've got good news, Calvary Baptist Church. All of a sudden, Jesus thought I got good news, got good news, got good news. Your balance is zero. Jesus, <laughs> boy, isn't God good. I'm telling you, man, if you're not happy, you at least ought to smile this morning. That's for sure. Oh, yes. Interesting. I tried to have my account changed with no success. But when I had a mediator, my balance went to zero. As the mediator, Jesus was sinless. As the mediator, Jesus switched records with the sinner. But let me close with this one. As the mediator, Jesus sacrificed his life in place of ours. Would you turn back over to 1 Timothy 2 real quick if you've turned away from there. 1 Timothy chapter 2. I don't know if you noticed it or not this morning, but we read a very, very important word in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 6. The Bible says, who gave himself a, what's the word? Ransom. (laughs) Who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Ransom. Ransom. It means what is given in exchange for another as the price of his redemption. 1 Peter 2.24 says, who his own self bear our sins in his own body, on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. What's that mean, preacher? It means that uh, Jesus Christ paid the debt in full. The songwriter said, I hear the Savior say, thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Wow. Wow. David, can I use you and Stacy one more time? Come on up here. Get in the same place as you were just a while ago. God is way over here at this end of the universe. And the sinner is over here. Without hope, lost, on his way to hell. But the Bible, the Bible says this. In Isaiah 61.10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. Listen to this. For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robes of righteousness. Jesus came. He died for you. 
He took your trash, your sin, your garbage. He imputed your account. He switched accounts. And then the Bible says that Jesus clothed you in his robe of righteousness. And now, Mr. Saved Sinner, and Almighty God can come into fellowship together. <laughs> Not because of what you did, but because of what he did. We are clothed in that robe of righteousness. By the way, if you're clothed in a robe of self-righteousness, you'll never, you'll never see God. It must be in his robe. Thank you, fellas. I appreciate it. God bless y'all. Thank y'all for all your help today. Old story, but I hadn't told it in a long, long time. There were probably more slaves sold at a certain slave block in a place called New Orleans, Louisiana. There's a certain place that you can go there today. There's a hotel built on that site now. But you can walk into that hotel and you can go to that place where that slave block used to be. On that certain day, there was a beautiful, beautiful young lady that had been brought there to be sold. By the way, you only had to be one sixteenth black to be sold as a slave. They introduced this beautiful, beautiful black young lady, brought her up on the, on the slave block there, and men began to bid to buy her like they would a piece of merchandise. What was really odd about this day, that had happened multiple, multiple times, but what was really odd on this day is there was a Kentucky preacher that was there. He was bidding, along with these other men, he was bidding on this black slave. What was really, really odd is that his little wife was right beside him. They were bidding on this slave. At one point, the bidding got a little slow, and so the auctioneer reached over and tore some of the clothes off the young lady's beautiful body, exposing her to the crowd. And sinful, sensuous men began to, once again, begin to bid. And that Kentucky preacher was hanging right in there with them. And the story goes that the bid got extremely high that day. Someone bid $1,000. The preacher said $1,100. Someone bid $1,300. The preacher said fourteen. They said that the bidding got as high as $1,700. You understand it was going to cost this preacher who had just recently moved to New Orleans and taken a church down there. It was going to cost him pretty much everything he had. The bidding got to $1,700 and the preacher said, I'll give $1,700. The auctioneer said, going once, going twice, sold. That preacher walked up to that slave block That auctioneer pulled out the key to those chains on that young black slave. As he handed the keys to that preacher, he said, Preacher, that's a pretty hefty bid for a slave like this. What do you plan on doing with her? Men were listening and they were laughing and snickering wickedly. That's a pretty hefty bid, preacher. What do you plan on doing with her? 
And in that southern Kentucky draw, that preacher reared back and he said, Sir, Sir, I'll tell you what I'm going to do with her. I'm going to set her free. I'm going to set her free. I'm going to set her free. I want to tell you what, my dear friend, many, many years ago, I was on the slave block of sin and Jesus Christ paid a hefty payment for me and the devil came and the devil said, what are you going to do with him? And Jesus said, sir, I'm going to set him free. I'm going to set him free. Thank God I'm free and I'm free indeed this morning. Why? I have a go-between. <laughs> Boy, I'm telling you, man, nobody else is getting this. I'm getting this on. I'm getting this. Whoa, I'm telling you what, the bread is fresh and hot today. The Holy Ghost is just fanning the flame. Thank God. When all hope was gone, a mediator stepped in. My go-between, my inter-annunciator. And he came and took my record and clothed me in his robe of righteousness. Hey, Calvary, aren't you glad you have a mediator? Boy, I am. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you. Oh, Lord, thank you. What a Savior. What a salvation. (laughs) Lord, this is not just some little measly plan of salvation. Lord, it took the very life of your Son to purchase my redemption. Thank you, Lord, for giving us a mediator. Thank you that I have a go-between. Thank you that I'm on my way to heaven because of him, because of Jesus Christ. Father, maybe today somebody needs to just tiptoe down to this altar and just fall on this altar and say, Lord, thank you for being my mediator. Thank you for a so great salvation. Lord, I, I pray for those that are here this morning or maybe watching by way of live stream and they don't know Christ as Savior. I pray that right now, Lord, they'll come to the mediator. And I pray they'll put their faith and trust in Jesus. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that as they leave this church building, they'll leave clothed in the robe of righteousness of Jesus Christ. Lord, have your way now, please. We thank you and love you in Jesus' name. And our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.